Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. And I am so happy. Today, I have Richard Toey. And how I met Richard is that a mutual friend said, there's a guy who wants to um, kind of establish a big musical entity here in Bucks County. Um, you should meet him. And that is how I met you, Richard, <laughs> as That's a <right>. reminder. And... <laughs> and and I found out that you are national sales director for Primerica. And I, and I might not even have that right. This is just, you know, you tell me. So yeah, is that, that right? That, yeah, that, that's been my career. That's been your career. Yeah. So welcome, first of all, to Soulful Connections. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And thank you so much for doing this. You know, one of the things I've learned throughout my life is that it's not so much those in the spotlight that are really guiding the planet, but really people who are controlling it. And by you organizing this and creating the platform for people to share their best ideas, you're, you're certainly making the world a better place. I love that. Thank you. I actually just got this whole visual of all these like planets aligning. <laughs> it may be because I am actually sometimes helping my daughter with her science. I'm not really helping her. I'm just present when she does it because I'm <laughs> not the per I'm not the go-to <laughs> for science help. But um, so just talking about what you do first of all professionally, what does that mean? What is national sales director for Primerica? What do you do so, day to day? So so it, it it's really guiding people through the process of, of making important decisions. Uh, you know, people go through so many transitions in their life. I mean, people have children, uh, people marry off children, people get jobs, they switch jobs. Every time something happens like that, people really need some level of guidance to stay on track. Uh, you know, you could describe it as something like uh, a relational GPS when it comes to people's personal business or companies. And you know, when you when you when you put you know directions into a GPS, the first thing you put is this is where I am, and then of course this is where I want to go. And, you know, there's a possibility that there's going to be detours along the way, traffic situations, better routes that pop up, you know, during the process. And that really is just how life is. No matter what you're applying uh, your, your, yourself to, you really have to be prepared to be persistent to the end while, you know, being flexible as you go through the process. So it's really a very uh, relational thing. It, it's my, my favorite thing. It, my greatest joy comes from helping people, whether it's, you know, my, my, my wife, my children, friends, people that you can meet somebody on the street and you could do an act of kindness and you could, you can encourage that person in a big way. Like yourself, I've read so many stories over the years of, of some random person giving a person encouragement. And that little bit of encouragement 
like change their life. So everybody gets to be an angel if they want to. I love that so much. And I love your GPS metaphor. First of all, just, I will say that I believe it's the greatest invention because what takes normal people 20 minutes before the GPS took me three hours. <laughs> so A, I love it for that reason. But B, I really do love it. I was speaking to somebody about nutrition recently on the podcast and she said the same thing. You know, before you can kind of direct your nutritional goals, you kind of have to look at where you are. Right. You know, it just it can apply to so many things. So you're in the financial world. And you are doing something really exciting here in Bucks County. What relationship do you have with music? So, you know, I started playing the drums when I was five years old. And uh, oh, I should say I got a pair of drumsticks when I was about four years old. Wow. And I kept beg begging my mother, please buy me a drum set. And uh, I think she acquiesced on that request when she woke up one day to see that there was a cherry table in our house that had all these little dents in it. I didn't realize that playing with drumsticks on a, on a cherry table <clears throat> would create damage. So she did eventually get me my very first snare drum, a Kent snare drum. Uh, I still have that uh, drum uh, e even today. And it's, you know, it's, it sits uh, with the collection, but I, there was always something about music that was so attractive to me. Uh, I loved it. And, you know, it's interesting Frequently, if if I travel and people ask me what I do, um, you know, it, what I, there's a lot of things I do, but I I really describe myself as a musician and a creative person that was able to build a business that created the freedom and flexibility to do things that were most important in life. And so I I, I love all things music. I've been so blessed uh, over the years to meet people uh, who were so to speak like my childhood heroes people I would read about in magazines and see their picture, you know, on the cover of magazines. And, uh, you know, th those are people now that I, I have the opportunity to spend time with. And it's just been such a great journey. And I've always shared uh, with people close to me that I, I wanted to get to a certain point in my life where I could really devote my love and passion for music uh, into some type of a vehicle. And, you know, through guidance and my mentors and people that consult with me and so forth, you know, we landed on this idea of creating the Bucks County Music Project, and it's just going to be so much fun. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking in preparation for our time together that, you know, I really think, you know, people say, like, would you change anything in life? I mean, I thought, first of all, I would change a lot of things. You know, you, you, the mistakes we make are because we lack awareness, right? A, a, awareness yeah. of circumstances, judgment, and all that. But, like, I really think, like, if 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 everything would have played out perfectly in my life, I would have spent my entire life as a professional musician. You know that that's what I really think, and and I and I was on the path for that, but didn't really have the guidance and the resources. Uh, I, I had the ability and the tenacity uh, and the confidence, but not not really the the guidance. And I think a big part of of what we're doing with the Bucks County Music Project is, you know, I, I keep on preaching collaboration, not competition. There are many, many, many people uh, in the Bucks County area have been doing really fine work for a long period of time. Some focused in the Bucks County area and some people that live in Bucks County that, you know, uh, perform and so forth all around the world. But to really create a platform to help people 
with the pieces that they may not be that great at, you know? So that's, that, that's, that's where the passion comes from, Amanda. Uh, yeah. I, I really love that. So how did you, you said you got to meet some of the people who you admired. Can you share a little bit about that? How and who? It was, it was so, um, I'll give, I'll give you one example. Like I have, I have some uh, letters from people like you know, give me permission to actually speak and use their names, sure. you know, and without that, oh, nice. my, my, yeah, my, my world's been a world of confidentiality because of the work that I've done for 42 years. Uh, so there's a lot of things, you know, that I can and cannot talk about. But when I was, when I was a young person, um, uh, my mother would wake me up. I'd be, I'd be like passed out, like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old sleeping. And she would come upstairs at 1130 at night and she would say, wake up, wake up. She would say, Buddy Rich is going to be on the Johnny Carson show. Louis oh Belson's going to be on the Johnny Carson. And, and I was like, who are these people? And she's like, they're jazz drummers. And so wow. she would wake me up and I would sit there and watch the Johnny Carson show until these people performed. And I became really enamored with big band music and jazz music. Uh, and of course, I love rock music and many, many different uh, forms of music. And then I, I started going to the record stores and I, and I bought some records. I bought... Tony Williams records and I bought Jack D. Jeanette records. And um, I remember I was doing a seminar many years ago, 15 or 20 years ago in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania, actually. And I brought together people I worked with and clients and we had a, like a self-development day. It was really great. And then we, we hosted a, um, a cookout at the end of the day. And one of my friends from New York said to me, um, do you know who Jack D. Jeanette is? And and I, I I literally just got Modern Drummer magazine uh, off, you know, from Borders or wherever I picked it up. And he was on the cover of that magazine. And so I, I reached down into my briefcase and I pulled up the magazine. And I said, do you mean this Jack D. Jeanette? <laughs> and and the, the funny story is that that my friend volunteered at a soup kitchen with Jack's wife, Lydia. Um, they, that's how they met. Uh, they eventually her and her partner, Paul and, and Jack and Lydia got together for dinner um, you know, Jack and Lydia were, were looking for some, uh, some, uh, guidance and, you know, some areas of their life bu business-wise. And, uh, we had the opportunity to meet and we've collaborated together, uh, ever since. And it's just been, it's just been so, uh, it's just been so, so incredible. And the people that they've introduced me to in the world that they've opened up through their 50 years of, you know, doing the most amazing things ever. I mean, Jack D. Jeanette, when he played with Miles Davis, it said that it was the it was the single largest attended ever jazz concert in the history of the world. What when when they played uh, in England at one of the festivals and it was four hundred thousand people in attendance at this festival. I mean, wow. I watched I watched the videos and it's just like wow, you know. And right. um, it's 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 fascinating, yeah. And so you know, it's the, the serendipities of introductions, and you meet this yeah. this person. And, you know, and, and, and one day we're sitting in Carnegie Hall and Lydia says, oh, we have a couple friends coming to sit with us in one of those uh, cool little places, you know, and Pat Metheny and his wife show up and sit down and just like, it's just, it's just been really, really amazing. It's really cool. And, and these are the most uh, kind, encouraging, welcoming people. Uh, they just want everybody to do better. It's just, it's just a great, great situation. Well, you know who the hero of the story is, don't you? <laughs> It is your mother. Yes. <laughs> I love her. I yeah. love that she woke you up and kind of knew, you know, fostered, I guess, that enthusiasm that you yeah. have. 
Yeah, That's just you know, my, my mom was always a big encourager. She would always tell me you can do anything you want to do and be anything you want to be. And really, like in the most challenging times of my life, I, I, I've thought about that. And I still think about it. You know, she passed, you know, uh, quite a number of years ago. But like her heart and enthusiasm towards life and the, the always try to find a way to work things out. You know, that that spirit has definitely you know been a part of my character for my for my life. Yeah, I really, really love that. Now. Was she a musician at all or she just had a passion and loved it? I think, I think two things. I think, you know, my mom, I, you know, I would come home, my mom would be playing like Nat King Cole on the radio and that, that type of stuff. And I think that she was just excited that I was excited about something really. I love it. Um, you know, I, I, I loved sports when I was young, but I loved drums more, you know, yeah. um, I, I liked, I liked, I liked, you know, talking to people, but I liked journaling. You know, I started journaling when I was in my early teens and still have almost all those composition books uh, from, you know, 50 something years ago. And it, it's fun to look back at that. Uh, and, you know, and she was very encouraging about, you know, about, you know, doing all those things. And, you know, it was different because, you know, growing up in Northeast Philadelphia, um, you know, I played with a cover band, but my passion always was to work in studios. And so, you know, during one period of time, I wrote several letters to addresses I could find in the back of like Rolling Stone magazine or whatever. Uh, And and a couple people responded, but there was this one particular guy named John Stoll. John also has passed away a number of years ago. And he started in Florida, a concert production company called Phantasma Productions. And it was the equivalent of like Electric Factory. He like Electric Factory had pretty much locked up all the concert promotion stuff in Philly. John's company, Phantasma, which is now owned by Live Nation in, in, in his passing, um, it had all of South Florida locked up. I mean, you know, whatever was happening in Philly with Electric Factory, the same thing was happening there. And he made an introduction to a man that was managing the number two recording studio in Philadelphia. And I was able to get an audition. Uh, I was I was hired, you know, to to uh, to do that work. And it really it was the kind of thing it, it really changed my life. You know, it certainly changed where I was spending my time. So instead of spending my time at, at the diner on Rising Sun Avenue, I was now spending my time, you know, in recording studios and oh. uh, back, back in the day, the, the Benjamin Franklin Hotel dining room. Uh, you know, it, it, it was just like, wow, like this is really possible, you know. Like yes. a great, you could do, you could, you could live out your passions. You could live out the things that are really important to you. You just have to have the courage to take the steps. So how did you make your way from that passion for, and, and even work, working toward a professional life as a musician to where you are now doing what you are now? How did that happen? Yeah, it was, it was a complete accident. Like most of the wonderful things that have happened in my life. I, I, you know, I, as I was playing, I also got really interested in recording and recording science and, um, you know, how all these things worked. And I, I started, you know, renting recording studios and, you know, this is over 50 years ago, but it was like a hundred dollars an hour. And I was like, oh my God, a hundred dollars an hour. And I did it for a little while, but then I came up with this idea. Why don't I just buy the equipment and, you know, create a demo studio. So the demo studio became a bigger studio. And then it became a partnership with two other people uh, who and, and they, they these guys were super talented on the recording art side of things. Uh, that recording studio uh, still exists today in Philadelphia. But what I started noticing as we work closer and closer with artists is that some people were so incredibly talented. 
I mean, just unbelievably talented. Like you would, when you sit in a recording studio in that stillness and you're, and you're listening to a person play or sing, like it, it, it'll, it'll either give you tears or goosebumps when you really listen to how amazing uh, people really are. But then I started finding out as I got to know people that they really struggled with business. There was a big, big struggle uh, with finances. And it was, it was that they, they just didn't, they didn't know what to do. And so I said to my partners, I really think we should create a subsidiary to help people with business and marketing and particularly finance so they can have sustainable careers. And my partners didn't really just didn't want to do it, you know, and I guess really it was a blessing that they didn't want to because it put me in a different direction where I felt that was a part of my calling for whatever reason. And I had no background in any of those things, but I could see this need. And then serendipitously, I was able to meet a guy named Jerry. Uh, Jerry was from Western Pennsylvania, and he gave me so much mentoring and guidance uh, about business and money. He was actually um, a financial planner. He reported to the CEO and founder of a gigantic international uh, nonprofit. And here I am, like living in my apartment, like with the proverbial like milk crates and everything, just trying to figure out, you know, what to do at, you know, 19 or 20 years old. And he's telling me stories. He's like, yeah, I met with this couple in such and such a place today. And, and they're, they're, they're about to buy a new plane. So they donated their old plane to the nonprofit or they donated their yacht or like, and I'm sitting there thinking like, this is the craziest thing I ever heard. But he taught me, he said, go read this book, go read this book, go read this book you know, call me back in two weeks. And so he gave me tasks and then also created accountability so that I would follow up and, and get those, uh, get those things done. It was scary. Believe me, when I was doing that, I was like, oh man, what have I, what have I gotten myself into? But then as I met people and started to apply what I was learning, I could see the difference it was making and it gave people more confidence. Um, you know, there's another, another one of my mentors, I would always say one of the most powerful nerves in the human body is the one that goes from a person's pocketbook or their wallet to their heart and their mind. And if there's a financial problem, very frequently, it really affects, you know, the, the let's just say the frequency of, of a person's ability to think and how to feel and the stress that it, wow. that it creates. And you could really see when, when it's relieved from people, their level of openness and creativity really expands in a big way. That is so interesting. Do you remember any of the books? Yeah, the, any... very, the very first book um, he told me to read was a book called High, I still have it in my library, High Finance on a Low Budget by a man named Mark Skosen from Washington, D.C. And if I'm remembering it correctly, he was the very first certified financial planner in the United States. So it was all this, all the basics about what people really needed to know uh, to get started. And I thought that was so great because High finance on a low budget is, is maybe a similar expression to being able to take Wall Street to Main Street. The principles largely for most people are the same. But, you know, the, it, when you look at financial literacy tests, you know, USA Today usually does that about once a year. It's a it's a pretty uh, dismal situation for most people when it comes to financial literacy. And again, another one of my mentors said, all, your, all of your life, you'll work for money until your money goes to work for you. And you know, getting people to that place is not nearly as difficult as, as, as most people think it is. It does definitely require time and focus and everything. But yeah, that was that was uh, one of my first That's books. Interesting. And why do you think Jerry did serve as a mentor to you? I'm always curious about that. Like, what was in it for him? 
Amanda, like, I think, you know, I have two thoughts in my mind. One is I can't count the number of people that entered my life, some for a couple of months, some for a couple of years. Um, and they gave me guidance and they gave me insight and they gave me confidence and belief. You know, it was the type of thing where I, I get on the phone completely discouraged, trying to figure out like how I was going to pay my rent and my, you know, and my telephone bill uh, all, all in the same week, you know, and they just gave me so much confidence and so much direction. And uh, they didn't give me money, <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't pay my bills, but they gave me, you know, the wherewithal to really be able to, to do something. And I'm thinking also, uh, something I learned many years ago is, um, uh, you know, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day and teach a man to fish and you feed him for the rest of his life. And I have another friend in Atlanta named Dennis Kimbrough, Dr. Kimbrough. He's written many best-selling books. And one of the things that he says is, you know, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish and you feed him for the rest of his life. But if you own the lake, everyone will have to pay you to fish and you will get paid for the rest of your life. Right. It, it just, it just took the whole thing to a, to a completely different level of, of what is really possible in life. So I, I think, I think at this point in my life, I, I do work with it and, and help, you know, coach mentor, whatever term you want to apply uh, a number of different people. And it's really just for the love of it. I can say now at 66 years old, when I'm talking to somebody that's, you know, I was with somebody yesterday that's 19 years old, 19 years old, 79 years old, whatever, you see glimpses of yourself in people. Mm -hmm. And then, and this is a part of the passion about Bucks County Music Project is if, if we can save people time, they'll have more ability to express themselves throughout their life. And, and I, I really think mentoring people is, is a selfless thing. Um, it's something, again, I really do think it's when you see glimpses of yourself and other people and, and you, you love that part of the person, you really want to be able to help them get where they want to go. And if people are really open and willing and coachable and changeable, there's, there's no limit to, to what can be possible. Um, there was a president of the United States that had a plaque on his desk in the 80s, and it said, if you don't care who gets the credit, there's no end to what's possible. And I really think that that's, that's a, is a great way to wake up every day. Just go about doing good things. You know, my, my, or part of my philosophy is, you know, it, if I do what I'm supposed to do in this life, then I'm not going to have to really worry about my own, you know, wants, needs, and desires being fulfilled. I, I just think it, it's the, it's the law of God in the universe that, that it happens like that. And other people may or may not believe that, but I can say in my life, that is 100% the way it has worked out. That gives me chills. And, you know, it's interesting because the next question I was prepared to ask you was, you appear to have done well. You could, you know, kick your feet up and watch TV and go to dinner. And why take on this challenge, you know, right now? Because it isn't easy to, to try to generate interest and to produce something, you know, on a large scale in a community changes is some people really just thwart it at every turn, even if it seems as if it's going to be positive. Why do it? So, so that's a really good question. Um, you know, I've always been purpose driven. Um, ever since I was a young person, when I was a very young person, like about the age of 13 or 14 years old, I thought I was going to become a minister. Um, 
And I, I just, it was because I heard a missionary talk. It was talking about going around the world and making a difference in people's lives. And there was something about, his name was Joseph Marin. There was something about, and I was in the eighth grade. There was something about how I felt when this guy was talking about going out and helping people, going out and making impact, going out, you know, on, on a mission. And by the way, I think everybody has purpose and everybody has a mission. Um, I, you know, it, it's, it's certainly not something that that's unique to, to the few. And so, you know, I think mission is something that you live out till you take your last breath. And, you know, it's a really interesting thing. You know, if, if I, I'm 66, if I was 46, you know, you may not ask that question because you're thinking, oh, you're 46, but now you're 66 and you could, could kick back. And, you know, but this is what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to serve, serve in, in this, this type of a way. And if you think about the reason I use 66 and 46 is, I mean, I, I'm, I'm planning on living a long, long time. When I, yeah. when I was a very young person, I would tell people in my imagination, I'm going to live until I'm 120 years old, healthy. And so a lot of my you know, ha habits and choices that I made throughout my life were designed around long, healthy longevity. But even, even if I'm wrong, which I don't think I am, but even if I'm wrong um, and I live an average life, I have at least 20 something more years of something to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, for inspiration. And, you know, I think, I think in our country, uh, people who are older are, are sort of looked down upon. Almost, oh, so-and-so is an old person, you know. But yet you can go on YouTube and you can see you can see people that are 90 years old bench pressing 400 pounds or running marathons or running triathlons. And wow. it's, it's what's what's inside of that person. And so I feel so blessed that over, over time, you know, I've, I've had so many people around me who are, you know, much older than me, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years older than me. And they were so inspiring because they just kept on cutting pictures out of a magazine or writing down a place they wanted to go on a trip you know, or, or a hotel they wanted to visit or a venture they wanted, wanted to take. And I think also yeah. for me, it's important, you know, to be an example to my family. It's like, oh yeah, you know, dad and, you know, and, and Richard, you know, he, he's, he's not just sitting around, you know, do, doing nothing with his life. He, you know, he wants to do something that really, really matters. And everybody, you know, of course has known uh, that, you know, I've always been passionate about music and the musical community. So it, it, it's, it's 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 the kind of thing that actually chose me. I didn't really choose it. And 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 what's also very interesting is by far the vast majority of people that have connected uh, you know uh, with me on this and I have a lot of incoming incoming calls. It's been incredibly positive. The level of support, the doors that people are opening uh I I think we're amazing. And I think it's real it's good what we're going to do there there's so many there's so many intended consequences, and I can't wait to see what the unintended consequences are. You know, we know that people in Bucks County spend over a billion dollars a year buying concert tickets and going places, but it's not in Bucks County. It's like, why, 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 you know, is there a reason? We should have a venue like that. We should have, we should have a, a place where, you know, emerging artists come uh, and play. And, and also it gives us a chance to expose local artists to those people. Everything, so much is done virtually today, but I think musically, man, when you get into a room with some other people, first of all, in like three seconds, they know whether or not you can play and to what degree you can play. But then the, the synergies happen, then the relationships form, and then the ideas and the projects and the imagination get going. And, you know, one of our, in our five-year plan, one of our things is to really create a world-class rehearsal and gathering space 
you know, for musicians and artists uh, where they can go and they can and they can not only, you know, function in their senses, but get into those intangibles um, and really create something. And I, I haven't really had pushback from people like people have said, well, you know, so and so tried this thing in the past and that thing in the past. And oftentimes people will say, well, exactly how are you going to do that? And I'll say, well, we have a plan, but the reality is I don't really know, right? I, I think when you're following dreams, you know, it, it, there's a lot of intangibles, right? And I wouldn't yeah. want to get so, you know, in cement on exactly the way things were going to be done. Every time I meet somebody, you know, we share, you know, better and better ideas. And I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, who's attracted into the infrastructure and how it works out. Um you know, Google, like we could go online right now and Google can tell us every single thing that's ever occurred in the history of the world up to right now. That's it. Google cannot say what's going to happen in 15 minutes, what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next month or next year. Google cannot tell us, you know, who uh, who's going to be an emerging artist, who's going to do something different, you know, who's going to raise funds. Like, like, like there, there are going to be bands that do fundraisers and they're going to love it because they're getting to do what they're passionate about and they're going to raise money and they're going to help feed people and they're going to help people with medical bills and all these wonderful things that can happen. Like music unites and music solves problems. And so um, I'm just so, so excited to see, you know, where the whole thing goes. I mean, we have some definitives like, like the venue and education program. Uh, music therapy. There's there, there's a number of different pieces that are in there. It's not going to all happen in one day. And I also want to share that, you know, my my I feel like my role in this is really just to get it off the ground. I think that's going to take like another year. I mean, we're going to do things. We're doing things right now, but you know, it's going to take another year to really build an infrastructure. I remember uh, when I worked in Center City, Philadelphia, when I was in my I guess very early twenties, maybe twenty twenty one. And um, they built the gallery, which was the first big indoor mall, which was right on Market Street, right down from the Reading Terminal. And I would take the train into, into, into the city and I would walk down Market Street. And it seemed like years that they were building out the foundation for the gallery. And I remember walking down Market Street and looking like through the fence. And it was almost dizzying because the foundation looked like it was like five or six stories uh, deep. You know, it was like, wow, I hope nobody fall, fall, you know, falls into this thing. Right. And they spent all that time building that foundation. And then, boom, just like that, it seemed like the whole place went up overnight. And we're, we're here to build something that's world class. You know, we, we have people in, in the world class of music and the arts and music business that are advising us. And we want to make sure that we replicate what they tell us to do. So if, if someone who's been producing festivals that a quarter of a million people show up, tell us to do X, that's what we're going to do. And again, it might take a little, a little longer, but once it's in place, I think it's, I think it's going to continue to uh, provide something. You know, our, our plan is into perpetuity, whatever that means, like not, not affected by circumstances or musical genres or leadership changes, or certainly money and resources, but we can we can prove that we can bring resources back to the community. It's going to employ musicians at, at 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 you know wages that that they should really be getting paid. When I was when I was 16 years old and played a gig in my neighborhood, I would get paid a hundred dollars. Now at 66, living in Doylestown, if I played a gig in my neighborhood, I would get paid a hundred dollars. That makes absolutely no sense to me at all, you know. And so people should be fairly compensated for what you know for what they do. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, and then after that, it's going to be like five years of growth, uh, putting a lot of the uh, 
putting a lot of the finishing touches on things. And then, you know, my thought process is that'll be a time for some newer, younger, uh, smarter, faster, more enthusiastic leadership to show up. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see who those people are. That's exciting. And I love your metaphor about the foundation. I think that people can listen to that and apply it to their life in so many different ways. Um, and so if, if anybody's hearing this, should they just stand by and wait? If they want to get involved in some way, if they want to contribute in some way, should they, is there a venue for that or is that coming? Yeah, so we have, um, we're, we're getting proposals for all of our web social media stuff in this next week or so. We're going to get that piece uh, taken care of. Uh, we have some very strong models, you know, uh, social media platforms that we want to model. Uh, we will be announcing this week something, I'm just calling it a musician's meetup, which is going to be held in the uh, in the meeting room at the Pennsylvania Biotech Center. That's a great room because it's it's a it's a room that's used for teaching and and uh, classes from you know professional people all around the world. So we'll be able to do virtually anything uh, in that room. And yeah, we're we're looking. Actually, one of the, one of our next steps uh, is to select a local advisory board. We have a board. We have uh, you know our legal people, accounting people. All that stuff is in place. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about one woman we're working with, Gail Bauer. Well, I'm excited about all the people, but uh, Gail has worked with music and nonprofits for over 20 years. Uh, she's responsible for raising over $100 million for the organizations that she's worked with. And uh, we, we've been friendly for years, And but she just loves music and the arts, you know, and, and we've done some things together in the past uh, that have just been really, really, really fun. And so, yeah, if people if people want to connect to us, they can they can email me just at my name Richard Toey at Gmail. Uh, you can certainly post up my uh, my contact information. But yeah, building that local advisory board uh, is important because we want to form something that actually meets the needs of the community. And in the musicians meetup, we're going to have a poll. Uh, and when I say musicians, it could be musicians, it could be text, lighting people, staging, okay. costumes, you know, anything anything to do with music and the arts um, of any age. By the way. Uh, you know, we, we, we're inviting some people that are, you know, on the younger side uh, that that are super musically inclined. And you know, so we want to we want to gather information and see, you know, what what are the universal needs? Because I believe from the hundreds of conversations I've had in the last year, most of the needs that people are experiencing are universal. And if we could build a mechanism to support those things, I think it's something that that will uh, help people accomplish and elevate, you know, to the degree that they're really looking to. Very cool. Yeah. Now, Richard, I'm going to ask, I, I told you I would do this and I am doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to end the podcast with a new thing. There's a, a game. It's called the game that goes there. Okay. Shameless plug for a friend's organization called the live project. And it's a really great, uh, organization to encourage fearless conversation. Um, and it's directed uh, mainly to young people and to families. And it honors her daughter, Olivia. So I'm going to give you three questions, Richard, and you can choose to answer one or you can choose to answer none because the rules to the game, there are really specific rules, but there are three top rules. And I'm going to, one is like, be honest. Don't be a jerk. And then the third <laughs> rule is you don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> Those are the three. So 
Question number one, my absolute worst case life scenario is blank. Question number two, the most serious thing I don't take seriously is blank. Or question number three, if I did not have to worry about money, I would spend the rest of my life doing blank. So do you want to answer one or none? <laughs> No, I can, I can, I can definitely uh, um, answer any of those actually, but I would say that the the worst case scenario for me always really has been the fear of not living up to the expectation of of my purpose. I really do believe everyone's put here for a reason, for whatever reason. I connected with that at a very young age, and believe me when I tell you, like there have been a million twists and turns. Uh, in my life, you know, many not that great, but something about resilience and belief that, you know, I was put here for a reason. And so I would say the worst thing that could happen is me, me, me dying with music still in me, you know, mm. and I love the idea of getting out there every day and thinking like, what can I do today? How can I contribute today? What can I do, you know, for, for our family legacy? You know, everybody has a legacy and we're writing our legacy every single day. Uh, and, and most often people think about that just as, as money, but I think of it as mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, and relational, all these components that go into our story and our values. And so, yeah, the scary thing for me is um, not living out my uh, my purpose. Oh, I love that so much. It's kind of, that's probably why I connected to you, because I relate to that on a very profound level. So Thank you for sharing. Thank you you're for welcome. playing the game. <laughs> and thanks for what you're doing for um, this part of the world. I think it's really powerful. I, I find it exciting. And I think that anytime people can combine their passion with something that they're, you know, might not be their passion, but they're really good at, it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, so thank you. And thank you for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for the work that you're doing because we we know that something is going to happen because of this. We threw a stone in the calm lake and now there's going to be some ripples that go out. And th this could be the thing, you know, like so many times in my life where I connected with one person that got me on the, on the right path for another couple of years and another couple of years. Uh, and I just feel so blessed that so many people intersected and I really believe that the work you're doing is really helping a lot of people in ways that you know, and certainly in ways that you don't. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.